Welcome to the It's a Hustle podcast. We have a special week for you this week. We just recently did our first live taping of the It's a Hustle podcast at the Connecticut Comedy Festival. So this week we will be airing those interviews with Amy Hawthorne, the booker of the New York Comedy Club, Emilio Savone, the owner of the New York Comedy Club, Rel Battle, the founder of Roast Battle, and Paul Verzi, our big headliner from our two-year anniversary show. Uh, please check them all out. I think these were some of our best yet, and I hope you enjoy them. Thanks for coming, guys. All of you. So nice to see you. Uh, has anyone listened to my podcast before? Yeah. All right. Sweet. No? What, what, do you know what a podcast is? You're too old to know what a podcast is or to know what my podcast is? You don't know what a podcast is? A podcast is like radio for the future. And by the future, I mean the present. Uh, so uh, what my podcast is, It's a Hustle, uh, is basically a podcast where I talk to comics, musicians, other artists kind of about their career path. Because uh, I think when you start uh, comedy or performing, let's kill that. Uh, thank you. Oh, look at that. That's the future, too. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, I think when you start uh, performing comedy or any art, like, you kind of have an idea in your mind about, like, what your path is going to be, what success looks like, uh, and then you realize quite quickly uh, that you're a failure and that you're not going to achieve what you thought you were, uh, and then you find other stuff to do. Uh, maybe you run a comedy club, uh, or maybe you throw a comedy festival, or maybe you have a podcast, uh, you know, but everybody does different shit, right? <laughs> so... Uh, I was not funny enough to just do comedy, so I had to explore other revenue streams. Uh, this one is great. Uh, as you can tell, we're making a lot of money. <laughs> making a lot of money. Um, and this is our first uh, live podcast show, uh, which we're very excited about. So we're going to have four guests. Uh, I do want to give a shout out uh, to my producer, Jillian. Uh, Jillian, thank you for being here. Because uh, I can't bear to listen to these myself. So after I tape them, I just send them to her, uh, and then she edits them. Although she told me last night that she doesn't listen to them either. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so please listen. Uh, and uh, any questions? Should we get started? All right. Well, if you will please welcome our first guest. Uh, we are thrilled to have her here at the It's a Hustle podcast for the first time. She is the booker of both New York comedy clubs. Please give it up for Amy Hawthorne. Amy, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hold on, I'll say that into yeah. the microphone because I know how podcasts work. Yeah, you know. How many podcasts have you been on? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, I've probably only been on a couple dozen over the 10 years that podcasts have existed. I myself have probably had three podcasts that I've run in that time. Yeah? Yeah. What's your favorite podcast? Oh, gosh. Uh, I actually stopped listening to podcasts a couple years ago. Because so it's a hustle. It's a hustle. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> well, the weird thing is, you know, because we do comedy and, you know, I was mostly listening to comedy podcasts and then, you know, I'd listen to like Serial and, and things like that. But uh, you learn things about your friends that they've never told you through listening to their podcasts. And then you have this weird thing of like, 
why don't you ever tell me that you had a heart defect? <laughs> and they're like, well, you heard it on my podcast. And then like, it, I don't know. I find the whole thing like very awkward. I'm like, I'm just going to learn about people in real life from now on. What's funny is like, if anyone listens to my podcast, they would know uh, that I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> and this is a big secret from my in-laws. Uh, oh. My wife does not want my in-laws to know. So if you meet my in-laws... Do not tell them that I have a podcast or that I smoke weed. <laughs> that's, that's the lesson there. That's what they would learn about me. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, yeah, thanks for I want to talk to you today about a couple things. Yeah. One is kind of your trajectory into comedy because yeah. now, uh, in a way, you are the most powerful gatekeeper in New York comedy. I think that's a fair assessment. I, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what? Second, you're you're booking the know. two best clubs in New York City. I, it's funny. Rel and I were talking about this, who's one of the later guests coming up on the way up here. And I was like, I just I don't like to think about that in that term. Like, I do like that our clubs are successful. And obviously, I've done everything in my power to contribute to that. But I don't ever like to start thinking like, yeah, we did it. I've, I'm up here because one, then you stop pushing and you stop trying to constantly make it better and make it be the place that it is. And two, then, I mean, I've seen everyone turn into a monster who has any amount of power, and I try very hard not to allow any little bit of that to seep in. I think you should be a monster. <laughs> I, uh... Occasionally, I actually consider, I'm like, this might be easier if I did not treat everyone like a human being who requires actual Oh, you know, I know a lot of comics, answers. and most of them are not human beings. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So but how did you kind of end cool. up as a booker? Because, I mean, I, I, it's hard enough, I think, to figure out how to get booked. But the idea of being a booker yeah. seems even more unattainable. Yeah. It's, I, I honestly, this is a brilliant, shocking surprise to me that this is where I am right now. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am. And I'm from L.A. I'm not originally from L.A., but that's where I started in comedy. And now, you know, friends of mine will come out. And I just had to go back for a friend's memorial. And people would just say to me, like, this is what you wanted to do. Like six years ago, we were sitting in the back of the comedy store and you were like, you know, this is really what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but this is what I want to do. And they're like, and now you're doing it. And it's like, yeah. So, you know, six years, eight, ten, a long time ago now, um, I was in LA and I got really into comedy. I'd always liked it, but I never thought it was like, it just, there always felt like a barrier. Like the same way you think like, oh, I'm never going to hang out with my favorite rock star. I'm never going to go get a burrito with, you know, some guy who's in a movie. I just felt like I am the audience and there's comedy and this will always be my relationship to it. Um, but I got so into comedy <laughs> and that I was going out every night to see comedy in L.A. And I am a good little Protestant girl from New England. And you can't have that much fun in your life if you are one of those. It's not allowed. You can't just enjoy things. Um, my background is actually in tech. So... I kind of looked around and I said, how can I make this a job, some job, any job? And so what I did was I started a website called comedygroupie.com, which does still exist, but hasn't been updated in like four years, um, to just cover the comedy scene in LA. Because there were a couple blogs out there, but they were mostly covering just the alt scene, not really the club scene. And then just er they'd be lists of open mics. They weren't, you know, going in depth, interviewing people. And I just felt like, you know, these guys are doing this great thing. And, in, you know, L.A. is really a music and a movie city. It's, it, comedy is huge now, but this was before the boom. I was like, this is a way I can contribute. And then also I would, like, build websites for people. Um, 
yeah, and then just from writing from there, you know, I started writing for other publications. I started producing shows. Uh, and then I had a friend, <laughs> a so-called friend, who said to me, nobody likes comedy this much and doesn't want to do this. I've seen this before. I am going to harass you until you do at least one open mic. If you do an open mic and you tell me you don't like this, this isn't for you, I'll never bother you again, but I will bother you once a week until you get on stage and tell five minutes of jokes. I feel like doing an open mic is a good way to convince yourself that comedy is not for you. Yes. It <laughs> <laughs> matters is, who you are. <laughs> no. But there's that thing that happens, which is, you know, usually you crush your first time and then you bomb the next 700 times. <laughs> So I went in and I did have a small advantage, which was that I'd been watching comedy for a period of time and I had like an understanding of some of the little tricks you could do. I wasn't in any way scared of like the public speaking part of it, which was way better than everybody else at that open mic. You know what I mean? Like there was no part of me like, oh, people are looking at me and I'm saying words and I care about the reaction that like stopped me. Uh, so I did. I, murder, I murdered my first open mic. <laughs> and I was like, this is like heroin and I want to do it all the time. And you were totally right. I found out years later, though, and I got so mad at this that he was talking about uh, Eleanor Kerrigan is this fantastic headlining comic now. Um, she opened for Andrew Dice Clay and still does for years. She is a killer. And she was a killer already at that time. But she had been a waitress at the comedy store before she did all that and he was talking about Eleanor when he said that to me and I was like if you had said you were talking about Eleanor I never would have done this because I'm <laughs> never going to be Eleanor what are you what are you doing uh, but yeah so I did comedy for about a year and a half um, which I think has helped in a lot of ways to inform just understanding the mindset of comics and the the what you guys go through so that you know when I'm on the other side of it I kind of know to some extent how it's coming across Anyway, then I kept going. I started working at the comedy store doing marketing, um, kept producing shows, moved out here, uh, started working for New York Comedy Club doing marketing, was producing shows, still writing for people, uh, started writing for the Interrobang, which is a great website that still exists. Um, and then I got to be the booker. That's crazy. <laughs> well, congratulations. I mean, that's, uh, that's nice. It'd be nice to... Not have to worry about performing anymore. Yeah, it's not Do bad. Do you miss it? Do you miss getting on stage? Does this feel good? Oh, this feels great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am I am by nature someone who likes being the center of attention, so I like that, and that's. But I don't miss that because now I'm the center of attention in a very different way. <laughs> so I get my fill and then some of being the center of attention. I I used to. There were times when I first moved here because I officially fully fully quit doing comedy right before I moved here because I was like. Shit or get off the pot, man. You know, what are you doing with your life? What do you want to do? You can't half-ass a day job, all of this production and, right, you know, all these other things and tell jokes and be good at any of them. Yeah. Um, so at first I was producing this show at this little hole in the wall in Queens and I would, I would get like, sometimes during the show I'd be like, oh, I, I miss doing that, and, you know, whatever. But I, I don't remember the last time I watched comedy and thought I, I miss that. I just now watch it and enjoy it again like an audience person. Do you ever like come up with jokes and like be like, oh, that's good? And then I, uh, I do have a standing uh, that I update periodically what I call three minutes of hack. And <laughs> so, you know, there's just like you'll find there's uh, there'll be common themes of things. And like right now, one of them is definitely paper straws. Uh, you go to any open mic, um, most comedy shows that are beyond open mics, 
there will be six or seven people that have a joke about I'm not using a paper straw. Fuck those turtles. Um, Clever. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm boiling it down to. But, you know, like over the years it evolves. Like at one point, everyone had a joke about how embarrassing it was that their parents got, just got on Facebook and now they know all these things about them. Um, a while back, it was, you know, trans bathrooms. Like, so I sort of just always have. And then, of course, there's the uh, evergreen. I'm going to close by humping the stool. Um, oh, yeah. But that's, <laughs> that's just gold. But, yeah, I don't really like once in a while I'll write a funny tweet. But, you know, funny tweets a different structure than an actual joke. And sometimes I guess like, you know, I think of like comedy as rock music for adults. So like. When you're a teenager, you love music because everything written appeals to you and how outsizely important your emotions are and everything feels. And it's like, I'm in love with Jenny. My heart is broken. And then you get to be an adult. You're in your 30s. Nobody's writing a rock power ballad about working on your spreadsheets and your boss not understanding how the chart works. But comedians are. Comedians are yeah. telling jokes about the annoying people on the bus waiting in line at Trader Joe's, you know, these kinds of things. So... Sometimes I find myself in like a, what I f consider sort of a ridiculous circumstance of life. And I think oh, someone should write a good joke about this, <laughs> but not me. Yeah, not my problem anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, so now, you know, in, in your role, a lot of what you do is like evaluating comics. So, you know, as you're evaluating comics, which I, I assume you're doing like with videos, and but, but, but also live auditions. I actually don't watch videos. You don't watch any videos? No, nope. yeah, only under certain circumstances. But nobody's video is ever as good as they are in real life. Yeah. Most, I mean, and then sometimes it's kind of the other way. But more often than not, a, a video doesn't do a comic justice because so much of stand-up is the live interaction with the people that are there, that liveliness that they're giving off in the moment that you can feel in the room that just almost never The video translates. can't capture the crowd, yeah. right? It's, can you tell if you get a video and somebody's like pumped in fake laughter? Can you yes. tell? Or, I mean, sometimes, too, it's not even <laughs> fake. There's like... <laughs> Sometimes I'm also just like, oh, this is an easy crowd. You know, like it's real laughter, but, but these jokes you know, to good. me, I'm like, yeah, this isn't, or the other way around. Like sometimes I'll get a great tape and the crowd, whether it's just the way the tape was, you know, the camera was set up or not, like you really can't hear the crowd, but I'm like, well, this is great. These yeah. are so funny. So what are the things that you're looking for? Are you, you know, you mentioned that there's a lot of things that are kind of like hack yeah. or overly used premises. You know, yeah. if, you, if you see one of those, do you kind of like right off the bat, like, eh, I don't care what they say here? Or do you sometimes hear no. like unique takes on that that are good? Oh, yeah. Like I uh, actually going back to the hack of trans bathrooms. I can't remember who it was now. Uh, maybe it was Manning. Uh, someone auditioned recently. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give Andrew a, Manning. I'm gonna give a comic uh, slash pride of fair. No, no, no. Uh, uh, it's a compliment. Someone who recently auditioned for me actually did uh, a trans bathroom joke that even though I had heard about 250 of them at that time, I thought was the funniest and most original take I'd ever heard on it. And I like said that in my like assessment. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's one of the, th I kind of just have three things and you don't have to hit all three depending on how young or old you are in the game of just basically, do you even understand structure? I had a guy come in that I was like, my only note was, I don't think this guy knows what jokes are. Um. <laughs> Amy, I'm right here. <laughs> um, and then, you know, presence, because, at, you know, at some point you have to, certain people have a, a nebbishy or a, a shy persona, and that's fine. You can do that. But if, if the whole time you're, you're just kind of, hello, and my cat the other day got into it. You know, like that's, you're not there yet. Yeah. And then, yeah, unique uh, 
not even necessarily unique premises because everyone there's only so many things happening in the world like people are going to have similar thoughts but is what you're saying does it sound like it's coming from you and your brain and probably nobody else everyone's going to recognize this it's going to be relatable but is this something that i feel like oh i couldn't take this joke and give it to the next guy going up after you and have it be as well because this came from you and then you know depending on what level they're at I you know I weigh all three of those things and you can kind of win if one of them is especially if you're newer and you're not quite to the point where you're being really unique if you've got the other two down that's fine because that's going to come that's just something that comes with time and you just need more stage time and that's a so thing I have your voice type yeah thing. and that's a thing I have to give you if you're young we have late night you can come there and you can help find your voice but if you are just telling stories like you're at the water cooler with your friend. Joe or whatever, <laughs> like, uh, and they're all about the same things I've heard seven times. You know, then that's like, eh, maybe not quite. Yeah. Go back in the po- like. I'm gonna throw you back in the pond. Do a little more work and come back. Yeah. No, I I uh, produce shows at New York Comedy Club, and I, I as such have never auditioned for you. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question is, uh, you've seen me. Would you pass me? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I thought you would say that you would. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was going to ask for more spots. Yeah, but but that wouldn't be the funniest thing to say in the moment. <laughs> Leave the jokes to us, Amy. Sorry. Uh. Sometimes, I, that's either, sometimes though I, I will do that in conversation because I'm so used to spending so much time in conversation with comics. And you know how like conversations between comics are not always real conversations so much as I got a tag, I got a line, yeah, I'm going to say the funny thing. One-on-one performances. Yeah, so I have a, I have a bad habit of sometimes doing that <laughs> instead of like actually answering a question. No, <laughs> don't worry, that actually fits perfectly with my self-deprecation. So Excellent. you nailed it. Yes. Uh, so, you know, my next question would be, you, you mentioned this, like how now you're the center of attention mm-hmm. in a different way uh, in that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's hundreds of comics throughout New York who – are harassing the shit out of you <laughs> for uh, stage time or auditions or, or whatnot. Uh, any advice for comics who are looking for more stage time, looking at book, like, what things should they be doing? But also, in their dealings with you, like, what's yeah. the best approach? Like, th- I mean, I, I assume they want to be front of mind, but not annoying. Like yeah. What kind of advice would you give? Like, what's the best way to kind of handle their relationship with you? I mean, I find, I f- yeah, it's hard to find that thread, that middle. Because you want to be like, assertive but not aggressive because at some point if you're too self-deprecating and you're too like oh oh, um can i like that gets annoying too like i don't want to bother you and you don't seem confident enough to put on a point (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know i mean there's definitely a lot of very good comics i know that are the most neurotically anxious unself-confident people i've ever met um but yeah i mean like i personally i am uh I have a certain system of organization, and it's mostly based around email. So um, I – So don't show up at your door? Yeah, and, like, it's fine if you do, but, like, this is not going to go anywhere. And, like, I try to tell people that, like, it's nice that we had this conversation, but I'm going to have 20 more of these right now. And, like, whatever you said or asked for by the end of tonight, it's gone. So you need to send me an email. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to me, that's a – like, if you follow up with that email that I asked you to send, great, because that means you're being – you're following through, you're assertive, whatever. And, like, that's an example of the other way where being too unself-confident. I've had people think, oh, she's just blowing me off. Never send me the email. I'll see them a couple weeks later. I was like, hey, didn't you have, like, a TV set you were trying to run or something? And you never – I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, whatever. So 
If someone tells you to do something, do it. That's like my best. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good advice. That's good advice. Um, it's hard though because we're all our own monsters. Like I, I've been friends with or mentored by so many other bookers, um, that you know we're all very unique, very odd people. So everybody has to maybe see this differently to yeah. figure out that particular booker how they operate. Yeah. So I'll see that, and like sometimes I can recognize how someone's coming at me of like oh, I know this works with Booker X, and that's why you keep doing it to me, but that's the opposite of what I like. Yeah. Um, which sucks for comics. I feel so – I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you think you just figured out the system and you cracked the code, and then you've got to figure out a whole other system, and then six more times you've got to figure out a whole other system. But, it, it, you know, at some point I'm like, okay, but also you're just wasting my time. Like, stop. Yeah. What about, I mean, in terms of other things beyond just, like, you know, annoying you, yeah. you know, things like producing shows, doing late night, like, what are the kind of yeah. things that, you know, will get you to see people yeah. or notice them? Um, I think, you know, if you're already in the system and I've passed uh, someone to into late night, to be doing the late night consistently, because I do drop in and watch it sometime, you know, somewhere between, you know, three to six times a month. Because um, I don't, you know, like, I don't want to go every night you can't watch your own hair grow. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, need, you need time away to see someone progress. Uh, because I used to think, oh, bookers should be out and about scouting talent all the time, going to shows, but you don't have time. It's like, that's it's an unreasonable thing. So the only way for me to know, oh, you're getting to a point where I think you could be a good host, or now you can stack up on a lineup with this person is to watch you tell jokes. Um, and then I also think work everywhere and anywhere you can. If you're an especially a New York comedian, there's so much stage time at really good bar shows, not good bar shows, open mics, whatever. The more times you can get on stage, one, it just makes you better. And two, other comics will be your best advocate. You know, there's like certain comics that if they vouch for someone, like that is almost as if they've passed an audition for me. So who could vouch for me that would get me passed? <laughs> who, should I, who should I have talk to? Clearly, Emilio is no help. <laughs> I disregard everything Emilio says all the time. I'm like, thank you for the paycheck. Uh, I appreciate that. You're too nice. Emilio is the nicest man on the planet. He is. It's th and that's part of it, too, is like um, Sam Morrill is one comic who I think he's vouched for three people the entire time, maybe four. Um, every one of them was a home run. There's no way Sam will vouch for me. <laughs> And then, like, over time, too, there's a couple other comics, too, that I'm like, oh, you are so nice. You are, like, being a nice person, and you are doing someone a favor. And that's good, because comics should help other comics. But, like, next time, could you tell me you recommended this person because they drove you to St. Louis and not because you think they're the <laughs> next best thing? <laughs> like, that's – those are two different scenarios. So um, also, comics should keep in mind that they're recommending someone not to – yeah. Don't recommend someone shitty. Yeah, and I mean, that won't, like, ruin their standing as their own comic with me, but at some point I'm like, there's a couple people who had to be like, you don't get to, you don't get to work for us So your advice anymore. to comics is don't recommend me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do not vouch for Joe Garrix, because then I will write you off the list and you won't get to vouch for anyone else Is that else why you again. wrote off Emilio? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and also, just to be clear, I'm joking about that. Like, Emilio is, like, very good, but he is, he's nicer than me. Like he's yeah. so he's got, and it's also funny too because now that he's not the booker of New York, and so he's booking other clubs which are you know more weekly type things as opposed to like a constant twenty four seven you know whatever. Um, 
he can fall in love with people faster than I can, and then he doesn't have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> so, like, I might fall, like, I'm already in love with 20 comics that I don't have room to work. So they're in line ahead of anybody Sam recommends or Amelia recommends. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay, I like, there's already, the, the queue is backed up. So, yes. All right. Well, you heard <laughs> it here, guys. Uh, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, you're not getting passed at New York. Run a bar show. <laughs> Well, Amy, one final question before uh, we wrap up here. So, you know, as you kind of look back uh, on your career path and kind mm -hmm. of where you're at now, and, and as you said, you know, you're successful. You're, you're where you want to be, and that's that's awesome. Um, I, I don't think too many people can say that, but it's it's nice <laughs> when you can you can find that. Uh, as you look back on it, what would you say was kind of like that best decision that you made in terms of your comedy career, um, or what's what's the smartest thing that you did or, or do to kind of get you where you are today? I think the it wasn't one single decision, but the consistently being open to having a goal, but not a hard and fast plan, because there's so many points along the way where things didn't go the way I wanted them to go, or they didn't go the way I thought they were going to go, and then something equal or better came along, or I learned a new direction, or I met a new person, and every one of those little things is what led me to be in the position that I was that I was given this really excellent opportunity. Yeah. So, so yeah. hustle. Yeah, basically, just uh, look everywhere for everything you can always do. Don't get upset about things that don't work out. Just pick yourself up and keep going. Yeah. Well, that's great. Amy, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you so uh, much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. Uh, guys, Amy Hawthorne. <laughs> All right. Oh, look, the music's back. Fantastic. How was that, guys? Our first live podcast. Not too bad, right? Thanks for listening to the It's a Hustle podcast. If you enjoyed what you listened, please give us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Uh, special thanks to Eric Donnelly of the Alternate Roots for our amazing theme song, to Brendan Ruane at Light Switch Advisor for our website and social media needs. Check him out if you need any help in those areas. And, of course, to Vans, who provide all of our footwear. Have a good one.